What is up? Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. I am your host, Taylor Schroll. Pre-recording this th- today, live from the Red Sea Radio studio in College Station, Texas. Looking forward to a great show today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Advent, since this is the first week of Advent, My one of my favorite liturgical seasons of the entire year. I'll get into that and tell you why. We have a very special guest today. His name is Brandon Morell. Um, he, he's a Catholic rapper. goes by the goes by the name of Be the Symbol. I am. I got the. I had the pleasure of working with him at a retreat recently, and he does a great job of blending rap culture and the culture of Christ and youth culture and all of these things. So we're going to be talking about. Um, he's going to be talking about that, and we're also going to be uh, jumping off of that and talking about enculturation and what enculturation is and what it means for us as. Catholics. So we're going to go ahead and get started by talking about Advent. Hooray! Congratulations! You made it to Advent by by no um, trying on your on, on your part. But uh, we're here, uh, whether you like it or not. So what is Advent? We're all waiting for something, right? We're preparing for Christmas. So there are three types of waiting. One we tend to get. Christmas is when little baby Jesus is born uh, from of the Virgin Mary in a manger, and we celebrate, and we all get presents and presents, and it's a lot of fun, right? But we're not only waiting on baby Jesus being born, because as it was pointed out to me um, yesterday, our favorite and the most popular Advent song is "O Come." O come, Emmanuel, right? You've probably heard it. Um, like our, our joke as musicians is that there aren't many great Advent songs. There are great Christmas songs to play at Mass, but there aren't many good Advent songs. So the joke is that we're just going to play O come, O come, Emmanuel as the opening song, the first couple of verses, and then we'll do verses three and four as the offertory song, and five and six as the communion song, and then we'll just do seven and eight as the closing song. We're just having an O come, O come, Emmanuel Mass. But but that's beside the point. The point being that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is kind of a contradiction in itself. Because if you've ever heard what the word Emmanuel means, it means God with us or God is with us. So what we're saying is, O Come, O Come, God who is already here, right? So Advent is this time that we, you know, we always say we're focusing on Jesus being born as a little baby. But it's very hard to prepare for something that happened over 2,000 years ago. I've, I've tried. It doesn't work very well. So there has to be more to Advent, right? Well, there is. And your, your friend here, Taylor at Forte Catholic, has the answer for you. There's a second kind of waiting. And um, this, this time of preparation, this time of Advent, we are preparing for Jesus not just to come as a baby in a manger, but to come into our hearts in a special and a new way on Christmas. So these 20 or something, 20 so days of Advent, it's like a mini Lent. We're focusing on praying. We're focusing on our um, giving gifts. Uh, You know, we do that at Christmas. We're focusing on growing our relationship with Christ. And and it's it's so interesting because for me, I love the church's seasons because they always seem to come at the time that I really need them. You know, Lent's this time of penance and um, giving things up, and that always seems to be at a time that I really need to repent, and I really need to, like, refocus my life on Christ. And then Easter always comes at a time that I, I just need God's victory in my life. 
you know, I've been struggling. I've been kind of living in uh, Good Friday. I've been living in like living in sin or focused too much on sin um, whenever. <clears throat> but I need that Easter time, that whole season, you know, because Lent is 40 days. The season of Easter is 50 days. And that's the church saying that Christ's victory is so much bigger and more powerful than the power of our sin. So what does that mean for Advent? It's, it, it, Advent was actually created based off of Lent. So Lent is a little bit longer or quite a bit longer. But Advent is this time of preparation for Christmas, just as Lent is for Easter. There's also a third waiting. because when, So how does that O Come, O Come, Emmanuel song still make sense for us today? Well, the third thing that we're waiting for and we're preparing for is the final coming of Christ. Because that little baby is coming back and he's not going to be a baby at that point. That little baby became a, became a grown man. That grown man died on a cross, defeated death and sin, rose again, went into hell, beat up Satan, <laughs> defeated, defeated evil, and now he reigns supreme. And that king is coming back for his kingdom we don't know the time. We don't know the hour. But if, if you'll notice that during the season of Advent, on the, on the Sunday readings, when you go to Mass on Sundays, we're going to look at, at the readings from today in our segment Mass text here um, in about 20, 30 minutes or so. But all of these readings, almost all the readings during Advent are focused on either the coming of like how people prepared and got ready for Jesus coming as a baby, but also this huge focus on Jesus coming back again in his second coming, whenever he comes to you know, separate the lambs and the sheep, when he comes back to take his people home. Um, so in this time of waiting, we actually talked a few weeks ago about hope. On election night, we know that we all needed hope. That was a, a couple of episodes ago. If you want to check that out, it is on the podcast, on SoundCloud, and on iTunes. You can go to ForteCatholic.com slash radio and find all of our past episodes there on the website. You can listen to it on whatever um, podcast device you would like to. But we talked about hope and what it means to wait and what it means to look forward to something. And I would kind of, when I kind of look at that same idea, but just a little different way today, because um, where I work, there are actually two ladies on our staff who are pregnant and I have two kids and my wife's been pregnant before. So there's, I, I was reminded that this, of this idea of um, mothers being expecting, you know, that's, that's the word that we use like, Oh, you're expecting, they're going to have a baby. And there's this time, this nine months of, of preparation where the woman is doing things to get ready, going to the doctor and uh, buying new clothes and getting, getting close for the baby, getting diapers, uh, you know, baby proofing the house if this is your first kid or if you're in a new house, um, getting the crib ready, painting the baby's room. You, you do all of these things to prepare for this baby to come, right? Um, and that's that kind of expecting. It's like not like the woman's just sitting on, you know, sitting on her behind and just waiting for it to happen. It's like, oh, I expect that I'll have a baby in in nine months and I'm like do no preparing for it at all. And sadly, I think um, too many of us, myself included um, in the past, is like has not taken advantage of this season of Advent. We've been kind of like um, comparative to a mother who is expecting to have a baby but doesn't do anything to prepare for that baby doesn't take care of herself, doesn't go to the doctor, just kind of goes about regular life and doesn't do anything to prepare for that baby coming. So my challenge for you um, this Advent, and we'll talk a little bit more about some practical things later on, 
But my challenge for you is to take hold of this Advent season. To use this time to pray, to get closer to God, to renew your relationship with him um, as we expectantly look forward to the coming of Christ. And I know one thing, I, uh, I was actually talking with some people on our staff uh, and how, you know, a lot of Catholics, a lot of Christians get real frustrated with, with how our, our nation does, does Christmas. How, you know, it's Christmas season, so like, you know, after Halloween, <laughs> we start decorating for Christmas, or, you know, a lot of people do it, like, right after Thanksgiving, and uh, last week we talked about Black Friday and how Black Friday really starts on, like, Thursday, um, but I know that people can get frustrated with this. It's not Christmas yet, it's Advent, um, you know, so, I, like, I, I know that I've been frustrated in the past before that Christians or Catholics get frustrated with, oh, like, why are we so focused on on Christmas already when it's all, when it's already, it's a month and a half away. You know, we have, you know, people are doing Christmas carols and they're having Christmas sales and we're listening to Christmas, you know, listening to Christmas music in the car and watching Frosty the Snowman and all of these things. And I've, I've heard people go to the extent of saying, and I actually did this one advent to try it out, like just completely dropped everything Christmas. I'm not going to listen to Christmas carols. I'm not going to watch Christmas shows, not until Christmas. And then I'm going to celebrate the Christmas season for, you know, the few weeks after, after Christmas after Christmas Day. And I, I was sitting in Mass the other day thinking about this because we have, we have two little kids in my house and um, we have, you know, almost four-year-old, almost two-year-old, and we put our Christmas lights up. They love the lights. They love, the, uh, they love watching Frosty the Snowman. They love watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They get really excited about Christmas. And then my wife loves Christmas. She absolutely loves it. She's we like our rule is we had a compromise. Our rule is Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving, we can do we can do all the preparing for Christmas stuff. So we have Christmas carols all over our house right now. And some people, oh my gosh, a Catholic radio show host is listening to Christmas music before Christmas. Y- yes, yes, I am. And here's why. Because um, I know one of the big reasons that people get frustrated is it becomes all about consumerism. It becomes all about preparing for receiving gifts or preparing for all the other things that come with Christmas Day instead of preparing for the coming of Jesus into your heart. I totally get that, and I completely agree. But here's what came to me in Mass the other day. I was sitting in Mass on Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, thinking, you know what? All this Christmas music, watching Rudolph with my son, watching Frosty the Snowman with the whole family, like all of those things are getting me excited about Christmas, about Christmas coming. Right, so it might not be an Advent song or it's or, or something completely focused on preparing for Christ to come into my heart or preparing for Christ to come again. But what it does do is it reminds me of what season it is, and in a strange, strange way, watching Frosty the Snowman reminds me that it's Advent and that I should be praying because nobody watches Frosty the Snowman after Christmas. <laughs> Nobody watches Rudolph the Red, Red News Reindeer after December 25th. Christmas carols get turned off very quick, right? So my challenge for you in this, in this season of preparing and this season of joy and great tidings, my challenge for you is don't get grumpy. <laughs> and it might be a hard challenge, not getting grumpy with, with, with Christmas music or with all of these things. There are some things that are right to be grumpy with if people are only focused on the consumerism. But here's the deal. Whatever is true and good and beautiful in what our culture is preparing for Christmas, keep that. The things that aren't true, good, and beautiful, the focus on consumerism, drop that, okay? 
Now I feel like I'm arguing with you. <laughs> You're not even saying anything. So um, what I want to do um, to kind of close out this segment is, is kind of put this in a, a context, right? We're going to look at the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And it's the parable of ten virgins. And it talks about the preparation for uh, the coming of Christ. So if you're driving in your car right now, um, don't pull out your Bible, especially if you're in College Station because they made it illegal to be on your phone uh, in the car right now. But if you're listening on the podcast and sitting at your house or you're listening on the radio, sitting at your house, pull out your Bible, Matthew chapter 25, because this is going to be good for your Advent. We're starting in verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamp and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them. But the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour. And the reason that I wanted to, to bring this up is because that this Advent season is focused on the coming of Christ, including his second coming. So this Advent season is a lot more intense than just, oh, it's nice. We're going to get Christmas gifts and all have a nice dinner together with our family. There's a deeper meaning to this Advent season. It says, since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And this is a challenge that I'm issuing to myself and I want to issue to you. If you feel asleep in your faith or you feel drowsy a little bit, like things haven't been going as well, this is the time to do that preparation, to stay awake, to, to fill up your lamps. Okay, so what does that mean for us? That means um, going to Mass. It means receiving the sacraments. It means going to confession um, if you haven't been in a while, just because the year of mercy ended doesn't mean that God's mercy has ended. We can still go to confession and receive that mercy and love from him there uh, and, and just renew your prayer with him. I know for me, there was a, there was a few weeks there, but my prayer got really lax. I, I wasn't doing what the, the standard that I hold myself to. And, and then, and like I said, this Advent season just comes around at the perfect time for me. And this is the challenge that God gave me. And I want to give it to you to just not be drowsy, not fall asleep, because God, God is coming back at some point. We don't know the day or the hour. It could be, um, you know, in the next minute, and then there'd be radio silence, hopefully, <laughs> or it could be, uh, you know, 10 years from now, it could be a million years from now. We don't know. But we all need to be preparing because the end is coming for all of us. Whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or he comes back in a million years, we're going to end before that million years, you and me. We're all going to um, meet Jesus uh, at some point within the next hundred years, at least, right? We're all going to meet Jesus whenever we pass on. And he's going to ask, like, what did we prepare? How did we prepare? What did we do? 
what, what kind of relationship do, did, we ha- did we have with him? So um, no matter where you are, if you're listening and you're like, I'm good, I'm so excited for Christmas, I'm embracing Advent, then good for you. If, you, if, you've, if you've grown lax, you've grown drowsy, you've fallen asleep, man, this is, this is your chance. Not to look back at that time and be guilty, but to accept, accept God's mercy and start preparing now. So what are some practical ways that you can do that? There are some great Advent devotionals. Um, there are some great Advent books. If you, if, um, another great thing that you can do is uh, I get the, the daily mass readings emailed to me in my inbox. If you go to usccb.com, I think, or .org, let's check that out. USCCB. The internet is going slow. Darn internet. Just type in USCCB in Google, and you you can sign up to get the the daily mass readings emailed to you. It's .org, USCCB.org. If you go there, you can sign up to get the daily mass readings emailed to you. And I just challenge you to take the five minutes it takes to read those each day um, throughout Advent and and take five, ten minutes to pray with those. Um, So that's my challenge for you today. Um, If you want to let me know that you've taken up that challenge, you can uh, tweet at me at Taylor Schroll, S-C-H-R-O-L-L. Um, on, on, or say it on my Facebook page, Forte Catholic on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever. So uh, let me know if you want to take on that challenge with me. Um, we will be right back with the interview with my good friend, Brandon Morell, the Catholic rapper known as Be The Symbol. I'm so excited for this. Tune in. Welcome back to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I am so happy to be on the air with my good friend, Mr. Brandon Rail, also known as B the Symbol. So what's up, Brandon? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. So I know uh, we're, we're, we're pre-recording this, this show uh, a little early, and I know it's uh, late on a Tuesday night here. Uh, you are in New York City, and you're just coming out of where? I am just coming out of pre-Cana class, preparing for um, you know the marriage this June. So, so yeah, you got a big engagement. Yeah. We just saw that come on. Uh, I saw it on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations, man. It's exciting. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, so we met a couple of weeks ago through a mutual friend, a friend of the show, Mr. Alex Gote. We uh, went and did a, worked at a retreat together. I was leading worship. Alex was leading a retreat and speaking. You came uh, to do this rap thing. And, and it was, it's really interesting because when you think of um, Catholicism, if, you list, if we did a, um, like a word association, right, rap would probably be like <laughs> way down the list, right? But um, you've um, found a way to merge the two. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your ministry and how you um, bring rap culture and the Catholic culture together? Yeah, well, okay, so let me start from, from this point. Um, I think a lot of people, when they, they hear rap or they hear something, it's a genre of music, it's a style of music, but um, even when they hear the other word associated, which is hip-hop, they think of just rap music, right? Well, hip-hop in and of itself is its own culture, lifestyle, way of being. You know, and um, being myself, you know, um, my family, born and raised in the Bronx, New York, um, you know, my parents both were born here, you know, 
My father, Dominican descent, descent. Um, my mom's Puerto Rican descent, um, but they were both born here. We grew up in the projects in Harlem, you know, and so like very much like I didn't associate so much with like what people would think of as like Latin or Puerto, or Puerto Rican Dominican culture. Okay, whatever. It was like no. In the morning, you know, my mom played Hot 97 on the radio as she drove me to school. You know, my father used to buy me instrumental CDs and tell me, here, write rhymes to this. He was the one who taught me how to do graffiti art. And, like, as a little kid, like, that was my culture and way of being. Um, And for a long time, I didn't even have a way of expressing that because for many people, they don't look at something like hip-hop as a legitimate culture. So just starting from that point, right? So um, that was my, my, my worldview, you know, the way, the lens in which I saw the world. Um, you know, and I, I could even say even as a kid, you know, I didn't ever think it was a cool idea to put my hat backwards on. No, when my parents got me dressed, they put my hat backwards on. <laughs> you know, um, my father was like, let's get the, the sneakers and all that kind of stuff. And so basically what happened was as I came to my faith, um, you know, later on in life, um, you know, I kind of, again, like I said, it was sort of this Hispanic background. So there's kind of this idea that going to church or at least receiving the sacraments, even though they didn't know what that was, <laughs> was important. But, like, didn't really have an understanding or a way of putting that into daily practice. Um, and so I received my sacraments as a kid, uh, but in high school got involved, kind of, you know, went to a Catholic high school, which, you know, some my religious teachers were cool, um, and kind of built relationships with them, got involved with a youth ministry thing. Um, and anyway, long story short, I came to my faith, and it was kind of a conflict of like, well, my culture is over here and I don't see anybody who dresses like me, talks like me, looks like me in this church. And when we go to these retreats and things, um, and I felt very much in many ways outcasted and it kept me along, actually made my process of coming to the church longer because I couldn't find someone I related to. Um, and so finally, you know, I was making hip hop music, you know, that, that being a part of it, um, the whole way through and finally basically, uh, you know, a coworker, you know, introduced me to some stuff and I realized that there were really, there was really no one, um, really speaking or being about the faith in the Catholic church. There was some on the Protestant side, Christians, but no one in the Catholic church doing it. And basically it was just kind of put on my heart. It was like, you know what, you can do this, you know, bring, you can use this as, as a ministry, something for God. And I just decided I'd be a Catholic hip hop artist. I never heard of any other one before me, you know, um, and it was just like, okay, well, that's it. I'm going to do this. I feel like you're asking me to do this. And um, it started from me just like making a few songs, posting online, going to youth groups and, you know, places I'll be invited. At first it was just me plugging in an iPad, pressing play and then rapping and sharing testimony. And then um, it kind of just like developed and grew over time, you know, with my DJ and being able to travel across the country and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So you congratulations. Know, really, really, you. What I found is it really creates a, a, a common language for the, especially, uh, uh, man, I can't even say that. I was going to say especially the younger people today, but I've even been approached by like grown older people <laughs> who are like, wow, I didn't think that this could be happening like this. And they, that I guess the genuineness and the, how real I am in expressing my, my lived faith through this art form um, has really been able to connect and do a lot for people. 
God hasn't put on my heart to ever invent a genre of music. So congratulations on being the first first one in the genre of Catholic hip hop. Um, so it's it's interesting because you you uh, you mentioned that when you you as a as a younger man you you're, you're when you're coming into your faith you're trying to match up the the hip hop hip hop culture that you grew up in with this Catholic culture and it's it's so fu- interesting because a lot of people um, at least that I've seen it's like oh rap is completely out of Catholic culture like you can't listen to rap and be Catholic and but what's so interesting in that is like God should not have become a person, right? So, like, this whole enculturation thing, like, God is the king of enculturation, where Jesus came down into earth, he became one of us, became part of our culture. And the way that the church teaches on enculturation is that we bring the gospel to the culture, which I think a lot of people in the the church get. It's like, oh, we need to bring the good news, we need to share the good news with people who need to hear it. But we miss the second part, which is bringing the the um the culture to the gospel right which i think is what you do so well i saw you do it you know a, a couple of weeks ago at this retreat where it's like you meet these young people where they are in their culture and you're able to then bring the gospel to them so um explain a little bit more about about your music and the story behind your music and and how you connect um in in some of your songs the the gospel and this um uh connecting the, the kids in this culture to the gospel yeah, well, okay, so let, let me actually say this. I'm not, I thought I would be the first Catholic hip-hop artist, but I, soon after, I heard there were other people who were rapping and, and, you know, and speaking about their faith about it kind of on a smaller scale, and I've gotten to connect with them, you know, over time. So I'll say that. But what I think is uniquely different probably about even just myself and others is, like, a lot of people are like, oh, I like rap music, so let me make rap music. I'm like, no, this is my culture. This is my lifestyle. Like, this is everything about me, <laughs> you know? Um, and so what it is is, like, the music doesn't come across as, like, oh, I'm going to purposefully try and give you catechesis through these, you know, through lyrical content put on beats. No, it's like, well, this is my life. And as I explore my own faith journey, you know, the things I'm struggling with, the things I'm succeeding, the things I'm learning. Um, I'm, I'm being able, I'm going into myself, into my own spirit of prayer, and I'm reflecting on that and doing that through this art form, through this music. And then um, I'm able to kind of share the story and that process with people um, over time, you know. And so um, obviously you're going to hear, you're going to hear stories about my life. You're going to hear you know, um, about my relationships. You're going to hear about uh, the people that I'm interacting with, the movies that I'm watching. You're going to hear about, um, you know, some funny things that just happened. You're going to hear about some hurtful things that have happened. But And then how I've recognized God in that or how I've searched for God in that. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just kind of invites people to, to see another viewpoint perspective of someone who's on the journey with them as well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Not only did I see you uh, ever ever since I met you on that on that retreat, and I heard you do your music and share your story with those young people, and I was just blown away by it. I thought it was a, one of the best um, times of enculturation that I've ever seen of merging these two different cultures, uh, and the and the kids ate it up. So, um, you're you're you go by the name Be the Symbol, right? So, why did you pick that name? What does that mean to you? And how does it um, explain what you do? Yeah, so um, it's funny how that happened. So I am 
one of one of the things, like I said, I'm about to be married, but um, you know, in June. But I'm also a um, I'm in the process of my novitiate probationary period as a lay person, as as an adente missionary, um, which is a religious community, a pontifical right, and um, that has a lot to do with the name. <laughs> so I'll come back to that as I as I, I say it. But um, essentially, what had happened was. Um, when, like I said, I was coming to my faith. I was, you know, 18, 19, like really, really starting to take it more serious. Um, I've gone through a bunch of things. And um, what had happened was I was helping out with the youth group that I had part, been a part of. And I started being given leadership roles <laughs> in the church. And um, what happened was as I started to read things and I started to pray more and I started to be kind of spiritually responsible for some of these teens um, I started recognizing in myself where I just wasn't the best reflection of that and I had this desire to go deeper and so what had happened is I started taking myself to adoration once a week um, because like I had expressed before I didn't really have many people who could speak to me in my language and explain and I could relate the faith to but I knew that that was one place in adoration that um, I really felt God's presence you know um, you know, I've, I've told the story at other places and other times is like, you know, being in New York City, which is so diverse, like, I mean, like, literally, you can live in an apartment building where you are a Catholic who lives next door to a Pentecostal, who lives next door to a Hindu, next to a Muslim, next to a, you know what I mean? Like, all on the same floor of the apartment building. And so, like, I've been, I've interacted on those levels, very um, interfaith-wise and ecumenically and, like, one of the things was just like, hey, well, I'm so convicted that the Eucharist is real. You know, at that point in my life, though I didn't have everything to get on, like I knew that that was real. And so, boom, adoration was once a week I was doing. Um, and basically what happened was uh, after doing that, like a few months went by and I met the Adventist missionaries. Um, long story in and of itself, um, but the brother now father at the time, uh, father now, brother at the time, Brother Merrick, um, he basically had asked me to uh, teach catechism, you know, um, and, you know, after meeting them and I started getting spiritual direction through them and so forth. Um, and so what had happened was I was praying on whether I would be a catechist or not, um, their adoration, and I literally heard the words be the symbol. And I was, you know, kind of mystical experience but i thought i was bugging out and i'm just like looking around like Yo, who said that? <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> and um but when i left adoration that day i kind of felt on my heart that god was asking me to say yes to go teach and so um anyway said yes um some other events happened in my life where like i literally like my whole like uh, my parish and where, where i was attending mass where i was involved got moved over to now this parish where I was asked to teach catechism at. And it very much brought me a lot more around the missionaries. Um, anyway, fast forward, um, after exploring the name and the thought, because I kept it in my head the whole time, um, I went, you know, on Saturdays they have like these formation classes at the, their house in Queens, you know, where the founder died at. And, um, one of the priests was giving a talk and one of the founders writing said, the Adenta missionary is the symbol of Christ today for the people 
that he's with. And I was like, oh, like, you want me. And it was like, man, that should have made sense before. But it's like, oh, yeah, you want me to represent you. Like, like really represent you. <laughs> and um, basically the name change happened at that time. Before that, um, I'd gone by the name Felix, which was basically my father's name was Felix. And, um, you know, just kind of, I think a lot of, I could go on for forever about, you know, the, the purpose and meaning of that. But um, I had kind of come to a point where I felt like I kind of had grown into my own as a man a little bit, you know, and it was time to kind of bury that name, you know, especially as I was doing things in the faith and in the church and this, this whole assembly thing was like, oh, literally you want me to be the symbol. Oh, okay, great. Well, cool. Like I am going to do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so change the name. And um, that's why for me, it's, it's so much more than art or music. It's like literally, and even if you look at anything like my site, my blog, my social media pages, I'm not just posting about music and performances. I'm posting about the things I'm praying and reading. I'm posting about the things that, you know, that I'm doing, the places I'm at, the people I'm with, because that's all equally important. Um, and and where is it? Where yeah. can we find that at? Um, be the symbol.com and social media is at be the symbol. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com backslash be the symbol. You know, so it's and, literally synonymous everywhere. Snapchat, be the symbol. <laughs> and just to help people out, he, he said S-Y-M-B-O-L. If it was the other symbol, like the instrument, that would probably be me because I'm just loud and a resounding gong. But, uh, yeah, so be, <laughs> be the symbol.com. So we have about two minutes left. Uh, go go check him out there. But in this last two minutes, I want you with within 90 seconds to explain the okay. difference between youth ministry in southern Texas and youth ministry in New York City. Youth ministry in Southern Texas. Well, one, you're in the Bible Belt, so it's just Christianity's kind of a little bit more relevant, you know. Whereas in New York, everything is liberal. Um, that's one. Two, uh, there's paid youth ministry positions. It just doesn't exist very much out here, you know. Um, it's very few, far in between, and so you're kind of dealing with a place that's liberal, a place that's very diverse and a place where literally you're doing a lot of it, um, not for pay, just out of heart and calling. Um, and so that's that's really the big difference here in New York. That's awesome. And as you said the word New York, we heard like a train or a taxi drive by and honk the horn. <laughs> so we, we got a good taste of New York City. Well, hey, man, dude, it was great being with you at that at that retreat. It was so much fun. We, we sang one of your songs together. It was pretty neat and uh it's great having you on the radio here, man. So, um, guys, go check him out on, on his website. I've been listening to his stuff on, on SoundCloud. He's he's um, very real, very um, um, with, with stories about his life, with stories about the faith, with stories about whatever. He's a, he's a great man, actually, you know, being living out his name. He's being a symbol out there for God. So, so Brandon, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, brother. Hope to speak more soon. God bless you. Yes, sir. You too. See you later. We will be right back with our third segment. So stick right here to Forte Catholic Radio. We will be right back for your ear pleasure.
Welcome back to the final segment of Forte Catholic Radio. Today, it is a beautiful day on a Tuesday, on Giving Tuesday here in the Red Sea Radio studio. I am your host, Taylor Schroll. If you are just joining us, welcome. If you missed that great interview with Catholic rapper Be The Symbol, you will have to check it out on the podcast. I love that guy. He's a great man of God, doing some great things for the kingdom uh, across the country, sharing his gifts, but also um, in New York City in a place that desperately needs youth ministry. So that was a lot of fun. And I want to continue that conversation talking about enculturation, this this word that I don't think I heard for a, a very long time until I got maybe into college. But I want to look at this because it's very important for this Advent season, and I'll tell you why. So there's this guy, there's this bishop named Bishop Chaput, or Chaput. I don't think anybody can really decide. I think it's Chaput. And he's actually, uh, he's an American bishop, and he's actually Native American. So he comes from a culture that's not, you know, a, a typical, it's, it's one of the cultures in America. You know, you have all, all the different races, all the different cultures. Um, Native American culture was, you know, they're the natives. They were the first ones here. But uh, today they're a very small, po- small pocket of our culture today. And this is what he says. He says that enculturation brings the gospel to the culture and the culture to the gospel. So we always need an authentic gospel, but we need to bring it to whatever culture that we're in. So if you think about America in its infancy, um, whenever you know uh, missionaries were coming over from Europe and um, all, all of those places—Spain and Portugal and and England—they were coming over, and they couldn't t- typically do things the same way that they did them um, in Europe as they did with the Native Americans because that wasn't going to work. It's a very different culture. They had different language. They had different um, traditions. They had different styles. They had different. Um, um, histories and all of these things. So what these these missionaries had to do was to take the truth of the gospel message and share that in a way that could be understood to the culture of the people that were they were talking to, but also still be the authentic gospel. So another great um, example of this is Our Lady Guadalupe. So this is this is when Mary appeared to um, in Mexico, and she appeared not as a, a Jewish woman from Israel, as she was in, on earth, right? She, she appeared a, as someone who is part of Mexican culture, wearing typical Mexican garb and all of these things. So she, she came to them looking like, like the natives of that country. Um, but the, the reason I bring this up today at the beginning of Advent, is that the greatest enculturation, the greatest um, show of somebody coming into a culture and sharing of themselves and meeting people where they are in that culture was the incarnation. The incarnation is when Jesus became man at that very first Christmas, whenever he was born. This was a God who left his throne, came into the culture of the early first century uh, Jewish Roman culture, and was born as a human. So the enculturation, he didn't. He, he became a man, just like you and me, or a human, if you're a woman, right? He became a, a human being. That's the greatest show of enculturation of all time. 
So what does that mean for us in Advent? We know that um, one of the one of the biggest things we know that if Jesus is coming, right? We talked about that in our in our first segment. If Jesus is coming, our job as Catholics is to share the gospel, right? But what we can't do is not meet the culture where they are. And I think a lot of times uh, we as Catholics we we look at the culture like, oh, it's bad. Oh, this Christmas culture is bad, like we talked about earlier. Or, oh, uh, youth culture is bad, or rap culture is bad. We, you know, we talked about that with Brandon in, in the interview. How to merge rap culture and Catholic culture. Some people would say it's impossible. I say he's doing a great job at it. There are these things that we can do to merge these things and take the, what is true, good, and beautiful in the culture, build on that, and then start to work on the things that aren't, uh, aren't Christian in the culture. So Paul did this in, in his letters. He, he was writing one of his letters, and, and, he, and he, there was, he was writing to a people who um, believed in this, what they called the invisible God. They didn't have a name for him. They didn't know him, but they, but they had respect for him. They had reverence for him, for, for this invisible God that they didn't know anything about. And Paul says he got to know those people, and he, he knew that they believed in this invisible God. He said, that invisible God that you already respect and know, that God is Jesus. And that clicked for them, right? Because Paul took the truths, and we have dozens of letters from him. He doesn't say the same thing to every, he's writing to different cities, to get different groups, to different churches. And he says different, the same thing, the same truths, this, everything that, he's, that Paul says is true, but he says it in a different way to whoever he's talking to. And I love that. Blessed Mother Teresa said, to evangelize, which means to share the faith, means that you have Jesus in your own heart, and you carry him to the hearts of others. So wherever you go in this Advent season, and even in the Christmas season, where do you meet people? At your work, at school, um, in your family, um, at Walmart, when you're doing last-minute Christmas shopping, you'll probably see me there. But whenever you meet people, how do you share the Jesus in your heart that you have? So um, Vatican II was a, was a a church council that happened uh, 60, 70 years ago or so. And, it's, and it says that Christ immersed himself in human culture. So Jesus did the same thing. If, you, if you've ever been confused at some of the parables, ta- Jesus talks about farming and shepherding in, in, in his parables a lot. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I don't know anything about farming or shepherding. So I have to like go search and find the answer. Because what he was doing was he was talking um, – in words that the people of that time could understand, that the layman, the regular person could understand. So he talked about fishing and farming and shepherding because that's, what, that's the culture that they knew. So what we need to do as a people is to find God within the culture. So what in the culture of Advent and the culture of Christmas, where is God in that? And to latch onto that and to, to love that and appreciate that and then where it doesn't match up with the, with God, with, with the culture of, of the church, then we can sh- lovingly share the truth and share our experience and share the Jesus that we have in our heart. So now, now that I have that off my chest, we're going to have uh, a, a, a little bit of fun here. I'm going to play um, a version of 
Um, my favorite and everyone's favorite Advent song, because it's probably the only Advent song any of us can name. It's called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and this is a version, uh, a modern version done by my friend Mike Marshall of the Poor Kings. Um, he, if, you, if you're a, fr- a friend of the show, if you listen to the show, you know I've played a song of his before. Um, he used to be in my youth ministry. He's a great guy, and he... Um, recorded this rendition of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and I've prayed with it every Advent since it came out. So I want to share it with you, and then we'll talk about some of the lyrics. So here it is.
I love that version so much. It, I, I actually listened to it. That's the third time today I've listened to it. I love that version so much. And there was one advent. It's the only thing I listened to in my car just over and over and over again. I love that. So thanks, Mike. So um, the cool thing about some of these old hymns, like O Come and Come Emmanuel, is that they have such deep teaching and such deep theology within the lyrics, but at the same time, sometimes the lyrics are kind of confusing, and uh, we just sing them because we're so familiar with them, and we don't really get what they're saying. So I want to walk through some of these lyrics um, as we kick off this Advent season here on Forte Catholic. So the first verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we got that, and ransom captive Israel. I didn't like focus on what that meant until like last year, womp womp. So we are all captives. We're all slaves to sin. And before Jesus came, um, all of humanity was slaves to sin. And he came to ransom us. That's such an awesome thing, right? So picture like you're in some jail in the middle uh, middle of some far out country um, and you're taken captive. And this guy comes and pays the ransom and frees you. Like, how grateful would you be of that guy? Man, I'm, that makes me so excited about who Jesus is and who he is for my life. The next line says, that mourns in lonely exile. So we're mourning because we're, we're waiting for God to come back. We know that this earth isn't perfect. So the Old Testament, Israel, they were, they were waiting for God for thousands of years. The, the Messiah was promised um, to Adam and Eve. The Messiah was promised through all of the patriarchs and all the prophets in the Old Testament. And they were mourning and in exile. They were, they were actually in exile. The people of Israel... Um, they, they weren't following God, and they got thrown into exile. They became slaves in, in Egypt and to Babylon, and they weren't a country um, by the time that, that Jesus came to earth. But what does it mean for us? It's like, man, like this isn't our home. This isn't our final destination. We are longing for Jesus. In the second verse, it says, To us the path of knowledge show and teach us in her ways to grow, in the, in, in the, ways, in the path of knowledge, the ways of wisdom. Man, like that's what this Advent season is, is an opportunity for us to realign our lives with God, to realign our path with the path that God wants us to go on um, so that we can go in the way that he wants us to. And, and just to retune with him through our prayer, through a refocus on our relationship with God. And it says um, in the next verse, um, O come, O come, O come, O rod of Jesse's stem. So he was in the line of Jesse. Um, the line of Jesse was promised to have the Messiah. It says, from every foe deliver them, that trust your mighty power to save. Bring them in victory through the grave. So this is like the promise that God has for us, is that he'll deliver us from all of our foes. So all the things that are, that are challenging for us right now, whether it's your marriage or your finances or your, your schoolwork or, 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 your, or your actual work, like whatever foe you have right now, if we trust in God's mighty power to save us, if we trust in this, in this, in this little baby that's going to be born, uh, that was born at Christmas, that is going to come back, that if we trust that he is going to save us, uh, he will bring us victory through the grave and death won't have any part of our life anymore and sin won't have any part of our life anymore whenever he comes back to claim his victory. It says, uh, um, in, the, in the last verse, it says, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. So when, like, just to, to recap, when God comes back, when Jesus comes back 
all our gloominess, all of our clouds in our lives, and 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 the dark shadows that we have from our sin and 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 what death brings, um, all the little deaths that we have each and every day. Like he's going to put all of that to flight. He's he's going to defeat it all, and like that gives us that gives me hope, and I hope it gives you hope that that no matter what you're going through, God gets it. You know why He gets it? Because He, um, at the incarnation, He used enculturation. He became part of our culture to understand humanity, become one of us, to know that uh, He suffered with us, that He knows what it's like to be human, and that He wants to continue to lead and guide us down the path of knowledge and uh, give us victory over the grave through his mighty power. So that is our show today. And I want to do one final thing because we have a minute left. And today is Giving Tuesday. Hooray. Um, For those of you who don't know, I'm actually a full-time missionary. So uh, what that means is I I work work, um, within the church. I actually do youth ministry. And part of being a missionary is that I, I, um, as, as Paul did, I fundraise my salary. So everything that I make is from the gen- generous donations of people just like you uh, through monthly, monthly partnerships that builds my salary or one-time donations that can you know help in in, in the uh, Christmas time or with or with or with the thing with things that pop up. But um, I want to invite you if if you can to uh, to um, support the ministry of the church, support the ministry that God has called me to um, in the in this Advent season. Um, so if you go to Forte Catholic. Dot com. There's a link that you can find on how to support us. So it's um, it, 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 it's ForteCatholic.com slash support. Um, and if you could do that, I'd be ever grateful. It helps me do this show. Um, all that funding helps me to, um, to do this show. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Check this show out on iTunes, in SoundCloud. We'll be back next week. See ya.